Are you looking for a space where you will learn to improve your mental strength, emotional health, and heal your insecurities from the inside out? Take the first step to living a more meaningful life with the Better Me with Body by Brie podcast. I'm your host, Brie. I'm a certified personal trainer, entrepreneur, and mother of three. I've helped empower thousands of women to take action through fitness, nutrition, meditation, personal development, and aligning thoughts with action. This podcast is for those who are ready to feel inspired and motivated to live a more purposeful life. Let's grow together. What is your family brand? Have you ever stopped to think about what your family brand stands for? Have you ever talked with your kids about what you all value and how you can work together to support one another to achieve your goals? In this podcast with The Family Brand, we talk about how creating a family brand helps to support your family to create deeper connection, understand your children better, and be the best version of yourselves possible. I'm so excited for you to listen and get to know this amazing couple. Let's get started. Hi, Melissa and Chris. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Awesome. We're so glad to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for having us. I was shocked that you were able to do this having five children. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get both of them on, but I'm going to try. I'm so grateful. Thank you for being here. Yeah, we love uh, we love doing the podcast together, uh, um, our podcast, and we love anytime we can be a guest together. It's really fun. It doesn't always happen, but today we're we're excited. Yes, you guys are pretty busy. You have an online course for families. You have your own podcast. Um, what is your podcast called? It's called Family Brand Podcast. I love that. So I love how your platform is all about connecting with our children and our family and why that's so important. So can you explain to us what got you started on the journey of helping families build stronger relationships? Yeah, we always really kind of say it was it was three things um, just so quickly one of those things was that Melissa and I 13 years ago were separated and had two beautiful little boys at the time. One was 18 months old, one was a newborn and and we were separated, going to get divorced. And just through, I say, Melissa's leadership and her taking a stand for our marriage and fighting for our family and an amazing marriage counselor, we decided to fight for our marriage and fight for our family. And so we know we know what it's like to really struggle. We also know what could be possible. So we feel really called to share our story and hope and hope that it strengthens other families. Um, I would say second is uh, there's been a lot of struggles with addiction in my family. I've lost um, both of my brothers and a nephew. Um, and I just really wanted to do something that would recreate the family narrative of what it means to be a Smith in our family. And then I would say Melissa had a really cool experience. Yeah, so I'll share my experience really quick that led to led to family brand being what it is today is I used to work as a nurse and then I kind of stepped back and I was a stay-at-home mom for a really, really long time. Our oldest is, um, he'll be 15 here in a couple months and our youngest is five right now. And so a couple years ago, I knew she was our last and so she was probably around three and I started thinking am I going to go back to working as a nurse pretty soon? You know, when she gets older, I kind of thought I always would, but um, I listened to this podcast around that same time. And it talked about praying, like when you're looking, when you're looking for um, like direction in your life, instead of saying, okay, 
like God, like what's my next thing? Asking like, how can I build your kingdom, God? Like, how can you use me? Like, where where am I meant to serve? So I started kind of asking that um, question and just thinking about it a lot. And one day I just felt so clearly that how I can build the kingdom is by building families. And so ever since then, I don't, we've, at the time we were like, okay, I don't know exactly what that will look like, but Chris loves talking about families, like he said, and I like felt this calling, like, yep, that's what I'm supposed to do right now too. So we just love sharing, you know, on, on any platform that we can all about ways that we found to strengthen our family and share that with other families too. I love that. And some people might not know what, so what our family brand is. So how do you help people create their family brand and what does that mean exactly? Yeah, it's a great question. So this is something, um, Brie, that I've done with companies for years now. So I have a company where we go and work with organizations and entrepreneurs to help them really uncover their identity and unlock their message and share their story and their brand out there with the world. And so I, I had been doing that for entrepreneurs and organizations for years and gotten to work with some of the coolest organizations, you know, around and like was so impacted by them and and they were impacted by the work I was doing for them. And then I had this thought one day driving home from my office that was like, why don't why don't we do this for families? Like why do we put so much time and attention and energy into building a brand as an entrepreneur and a culture in our companies? but we don't build our most important brand, which is our family's brand. And your family has a brand like your fan, whether it's, whether it's by design or by default, your family, your home has a culture. you you have, you have values, whether they've been intentionally designed or just kind of unspoken. And it was just this, this idea, this thought that I had shared with Melissa, we should take our family through the process. I take companies through, we did it. And it was really transformative. <laughs> like it really made a difference. And our marriage became stronger than it ever has be- had been. Um, our, we became more connected to our children. Uh, we saw them become more confident than they'd ever been um, just because of these this brand that we had created. And it's a combination of your family's values. So we help you create seven core values in these seven really intentional categories, help families create a family vision statement, and then really a culture of belonging where everyone in the home feels loved and seen and accepted for who they are. Um, and then we give them a blueprint to how to live it daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually, like no differently than you would a, a really successful company. And I think we just, we just want to see families win. Like mm-hmm. I think so many times families don't feel like they're winning. You know, they're right. kind of either just struggling or existing or striving. And we just want to see families. We want them to feel like they're winning, that every individual in the family is winning. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really thinking about like a brand for a company, but thinking about it for your family. Well, that's genius because I feel like right now it's not even that people are intentionally not, you know, giving their family the time that they need to create a brand or to be intentional with what they need. But I feel like it's distraction. Like we are just such a hustle culture that it's like, you're in, you know, your kids are in all these different sports and then both parents are working and then you never get family dinners. And it's like, it's not that it's necessarily bad things. It's just distraction. And so then you feel like you're always reactive instead of being proactive. And I love that a reel that you just put out and it said like, isn't it, you know, kind of like what you were saying, isn't it funny that we put so much time and effort 
in developing our own brand and identity, but we don't put that same effort into our family. And that hit home to me. I was like, that is genius. So can you talk about what your family brand is? I love your family brand. And I loved the story that you told about your son who didn't like sports because I could relate to this and I have a question for you after. (laughs) Yeah. So our, our family brand, I think consists of, like Chris said, it's the culture, like intentionally though, deciding what, what kind of culture do we want in our home? And that's something that's, that's verbalized, um, and again, like you mentioned, that's a culture of belonging where everyone feels like no matter who they are, like they're part of part of us and they belong. They belong here. And the other things are we have um, yeah, defined family values that we all created together that kind of um, show us like who we want to be. For example, um, one of them is Smiths do hard things. And so it's something that we use every day, this language to help us become who we who we want to be. Um, and then we have a vision and a um like a mission motto. Um, and I think the one you're referring to with our son is we believe you can be who you want to be. And so our son, um, he never, he doesn't like um, like group sports, team sports, team sports. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which was a shocker because Melissa and I love team sports. We both have always played team sports. So that is so hard because you want your kids to love what you love. Totally. And yes, you see like, oh, this this thing has brought me so much joy. Like if you just yes. liked it, you would love it. I know you would love it, but he just never did. So it was us learning to to be like, hey, that's that's okay. Like that's more than okay. Like that's who you are. And we embrace that about you. We love that about you. And- yeah, it's like really trying to live that, like our mission of we believe you can be who you want to be. Like there's no pressure mm-hmm. to be anything other than you are. And what was cool about that, and Melissa was the one that really fostered this, was she just started paying attention to what he did love. And she just noticed like he is always wrestling with other kids. Like, like no matter where we take him, he'll start like, he'll stir up a wrestling match, you know? And so this is when he was probably five or six, like, yeah, starting at that age. So then she started signing him up for wrestling, which I've never wrestled. I know nothing about wrestling that led to a fascination with jujitsu. He's now got his yellow belt in jujitsu and has competed in tournaments and done that for a few years. When we lived in Hawaii, he loved surfing because it was it was him. Like so, he's just yes. drawn to things where he can like. And now, now I would say he really flourishes in that, and it's totally different, and it's and it's awesome. Like I, I I'm glad he doesn't play team sports. Like I really love that he does jujitsu. I love that he loves to surf, and but it, yeah, I, I think it's easy. Like. I always joke that it's really easy to love your kids for who they are when they're being who you want them to be. Right, exactly. <laughs> but but the real challenge is like, but can we really love them for who they are when they're not who we yes. want them to be? Like, can we create that kind of culture in our family? I love that so much. I was, <laughs> I was dealing with the same thing with my daughter, Olivia, because she's naturally, I was a gymnast, a competitive gymnast all growing up. I did cheer. And I was like, you have the body for it. Like she, she's like, when she was younger, she had quads. She had a six pack. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going to do so well in gymnastics. And I'm so excited. I put way too much pressure on her. She did it for like five years. And one day she's like, I'm, I'm over it. Like, I'm sick of this. I want to try something new. I'm like, no, you have to love gymnastics. <laughs> and she kept telling me like, I'm not you. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I want to do tennis or swim or all these sports I had never done. And I didn't know anything about it. And it was hard to let it go to be like, 
we've invested all this time and effort. But if it's not what brings you joy, then it's like you do. You have to let go. You have to let them be who they want to be as hard as that is. But I love that. I feel like they come – I feel like kids – tell me if you feel this way, but that they come to you as they are. And you can like – they're like rocks. You can chip away at little edges, but who they are is really who they are. And you have to honor that because all of my kids are so different. I totally believe that. And it's kind of like you can either fight this battle or you can just realize, well, I might as well love them for who they are because they're probably going to be who they are anyways. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. And I think that's – but I think that's the pressure the world puts on us and, and not just kids but as adults. Like there's a lot of pressure of who you're supposed to be, who you should be, who others expect you to be. Mm-hmm. And look, we feel that all the time. And I think that's the power. I want to link it back to the family brand because look like – I need I I need our family's values to almost save me from myself because had we not had that family mission of we believe you can be who you want to be I wouldn't have handled that as well. Right. Um, and it's like you said earlier like the busyness and like the demands and like the noise and the pressure on families today it's like it's I re- I recognize Bree that our family values and our family brand was the thing that allowed us to kind of boldly take back our family. Mm-hmm. from the world and be like, okay, we're going to make decisions that are aligned with us that we want to, not because we're supposed to or that we should. Um, but I think unless you have those kind of guiding values to look at and look at it like a lens to look through, it can be really tricky to know how to what to say yes to, what to say no to, how to support your children, how to challenge them, how to, you know. So I just, I feel like our family's values and our family brand helps me be a better parent than I would be all the time. Yes. I love that. And just kind of having that, that, you know, foresight that you're, you have a mission, you have a perspective of what, you know, really your purpose is. I love that so much. Can I add one, one thing here? Please do. Yeah. And I'm learning like, as my kids, you know, get older and hopefully I get more experience as a mother that I think like one of the great things as parents that we can do is help our kids find out like what are your gifts like what are your mm-hmm. your your magic that you bring to the world like what is that like helping them know who they are and loving who they are and believing in who they are i think that is as our as parents i think that is like one of the most important things that that we can foster getting away from again this idea of who they're supposed to be or should be but like yes. who are you really yes yep that's so important so I wanted to ask you, I, you talk about the type of culture that you're creating in your family and the differences between high challenge, high support, or low challenge, low support. And this is a question I had. I was curious how you would handle my situation with Olivia because she will start a sport, but if she feels like she doesn't have friends, she'll want to quit. So I'm like, okay, where do you draw the line where you're like, yeah, you can quit. Like you're not having fun. I want you to enjoy it. Or no, like you need to learn how to make friends because how will you know if you like it if you don't stick it out? So that's where it's like you still want to – this is the line that you guys talk about as well is you want to challenge your kids. We, I was laughing because we actually have the same motto, we, but we say it with the Coxes, we say hard things are fun. And so like, I want my kids to be 
able to do hard things and challenge themselves. But at what point do you say, okay, it's, it's okay to quit, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really, tr- it's really tricky. Like, yes. you know, this idea of, you know, how do we challenge them? Because we, we see who they can become and, and, and we see who they are. And then also, how do we support them? And I also think that what, what I've realized is when you're talking about this idea of creating a culture of challenge and support, where like, we're all saying as a family, we're all saying it together, like, look, we're going to challenge each other to be who we, who we are. Like, we're going to challenge each other to be who we can become. And we're going to support each other more than we've ever felt supported. I actually believe that's what every human being wants. Like, I, I want someone to believe in me enough to challenge me and be committed enough to challenge me. I also want someone who loves me enough to support me. Um, and I also think, Bree, it, it comes into this, like, conversation of that challenge and support conversation also, to me, like, keeping your word and doing what you say you're going to do belongs in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, for an example, like, with your daughter – it's like, look, there is no pressure on you to play any one particular sport or sign up for any one particular activity. Like, I really want you to do it because it calls to you and because it's what it's what aligns with you, not because you think it's what dad wants you to do or mom wants you to do. So they really feel like they have this space to make the decision to make the choice, but then say, but I also want us to get into an agreement that if you commit to it, you'll see it through. And it doesn't mean you have to see it through forever. Like you can, right. you can quit at the end of the season. Right. But if you, I'm going to challenge you that if you really want to do it, I'm going to challenge you to stick with it and I'll support you the entire time you're in it. Mm-hmm. But I want us to get into an agreement. And, that, and that's a whole nother conversation. I could, we just look, released a podcast episode this week, I think, or last week on um, creating a culture of agreements in your home instead of expectations. Mm-hmm. And that's so powerful because they feel like they have a say. Totally. It was co-created. Like, yes. so, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, you, you, we had this agreement. You're the one who chose with our support and, and our, our belief to, to commit to this sport, knowing that by committing now, obviously, you know, if, if something really gnarly was going on, right, your daughter right. was being bullied or there was unsafe, right. you know, yeah. but, but to me, it's like that, it's that fine line of, like I'm really, I, I, this is just my personal opinion. I'm really hesitant to let my kids quit things just because it's like, I just, I don't like, I decided I don't like it or I decided I'm not having fun or I decided that it's boring. You know, it's it's yeah, boring. It's like, say, like, well, it was boring. I'm like, no, I just paid for <laughs> three months. Like we got to finish the three months, you know? Another thing, Bree, that you, now that you bring that up, I wouldn't have thought to say this. We've created an agreement with our kids that we pay for everything they need and half of what they want. So our okay. kids actually pay for half of their sports or That's half amazing. of their gymnastics or half How of their tumbling. How do they earn the money? So we then, yeah, so that's like a great question. We we provide opportunities for them to do extra jobs around the house. Um, our two oldest boys have a little t-shirt business. Um because that, because some parents is like, oh, I love that idea, but then that could also create more work for me as a parent to figure out things for them to do. But I've just seen that like our kids are so they think things through more, even not just a sport they want to sign up for, but they'll really think, do I really want this enough to pay half for it? You know? Yeah, that's um, smart. Anyways, but you bringing that up though, I think if a, if a child has a little bit of skin in the game, it might change. The, they sure. might think more about saying yes to it, and they might be a little more committed to the outcome. Yeah, for sure. I love that idea. 
So one other thing I want to talk about that I love is being genuine with your children and letting letting them see the messes and apologizing when you're wrong. So why do you think that that's so important? Can you talk a little to that? Yeah, I think what what we model for our kids is what is what they'll become. And so I think I've been on this journey this this last year, I guess, um, as we've released the podcast and um, I've been posting more on social media. Like, I think we have this, at least I do, I have this feeling like it all needs to go perfectly and I have to have everything like execute just right. Um, but I feel like the more I realize like, no, I'm going to have mess ups and have like, oh man, I want to do over for that. I think it just sets our kids up to know, like, you don't have to be perfect. Like, that's what life is about. It's about, like, the journey and trying and never giving up, not quitting. And then as they see, like, me doing that or Chris and I doing that, I think it just gives them space to feel like they can do it too. They can try and it's okay if there's a mess up. Yeah, I love this quote that I don't know who said it, but more is caught than taught. Mm, That's a good one. So if your kids see you demonstrating it, like Melissa's talking about, and I also remember one time there was this couple that came over with their family and somehow it came up, the husband asked about our separation and the wife was like, shh, don't, don't say that too loud. There are kids around. And I was like, oh, oh you can no. like, you can talk about it. Like our kids yeah. totally, totally know we were separated. And they're like, they do? You know, and they were kind of like, and it's like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to hide anything from our children, like struggles, yeah. challenges, like, like, cause one of our family values is Smiths can talk about anything without judgment mm. because we want that kind of culture. Like I, I want my kids at any point in time in their life to be able to come talk to me without judgment. And I think the way you create that is by talking like, and yes, and it's not perfect and nothing's perfect. And then I think they have a real, realistic expectation for their relationships when they get older too. And they can see, they'll know how to deal with those, with issues that come up or problems that come up. They won't freak out because it's, you know, nothing's perfect. No relationship is perfect. Um, One thing that I really try to do is always apologize to my kids when I mess up. And I noticed they started apologizing to me more. (laughs) Like at the end of the night when I'd be tucking them in bed my son would be like, hey, mom, I just want to say sorry for yelling. I shouldn't have done that, you know? And I was like, oh, this is so cool. He's modeling what I'm doing. If I never apologized, he would never want to say sorry to me either. So I think you're right, just leading by example. And it's really sweet too. Like, you know, I could lose my cool and yell and I'll say like, I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? And my son 100 times out of 100, we'll be like, of course. Yeah, it's okay, mom. Like, it's okay. We'll try again tomorrow. Like, he's so (laughs) compassionate and sweet towards me. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm trying so hard. I keep losing my cool, you know, and he's like, it's okay. It happens to me too. Like, I just like that where you're all in it together. Yeah. A line that I say probably more than I I should is like, I'll just tell my kids sometimes like, Hey guys, you know how that thing happened earlier and I lost my temper and I got and like, yeah, I was like, that's just a dad fail. Like I just failed. I just yeah. didn't get it. I just didn't get it right. Like I, yeah. I apologize, you know, like there's nothing, there's no excuse for it. There's just like, right. yeah, it wasn't, I'm sorry. It, wasn't, it wasn't good. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then they see you more as human, you know, I, I, I really, really like that. Um, so 
Another thing that you guys talk about a lot is creating a safe space in the home for your family. So what are some ways that we can do that? I think Chris touched on one a second ago. Um, just allowing our kids to have space to to talk and to, you know, when they bring up things, I think it's starts early as early as you as you can where you know something comes up and it's never like why did as much as possible it's never like why did you do that or you know it's like um exploring more like where where they're at and um just allowing asking questions and understanding them more and better yeah one of the things we did to kind of put that into a a cadence to build it into the culture is we do this thing called weekly check-ins every sunday so every sunday melissa and i go into our bedroom and, and just one of our kids comes in one at a time. And so it's just two on one and they'll, they now fight over who goes first because everyone loves to come in the check-ins. Melissa usually has a little snack in there for them. And we just ask them really two questions. What's important to you this week and how can we support you? And what's interesting is as, as and then Melissa writes them down on a little whiteboard and it hangs up in our home. And so we're always seeing them. And as important as those questions are, what's most important is it just gets them talking. Period. Yes. And they know it's a safe space where they can come in and talk to us about anything. And a lot of times they will. Like, we'll, we'll ask them what's important to you and how can we support you? And we'll get that written down. And then we'll get to like what really is going mm-hmm. on a struggle, a challenge, or like our, our, one of our sons recently is like, Hey, I think I like a girl, you know, and came to us and wanted yeah. to talk to us about that. Should I tell her that I like her, you know? Um, but I have found that just by being consistent, and just talking, like we, we, we talk a lot as a family and we don't just, and sometimes we talk about really serious stuff. Sometimes we talk about funny stuff, but I just have tried, we've tried to create this culture of talking and I've noticed that, I mean, our, our, four, our 13 and 14 year old boys are like super comfortable talking to us about sex, about pornography, about drugs. They're like, and, and it kind of surprises some other parents who are around our kids sometimes. Um, but I would way rather have that than oh, my kids yeah. don't want to talk to me about, about anything. So I think it's consistency, but mm-hmm. I think your children have to truly believe that they can come say anything to you and that you're going to respond in a loving way and really help them with whatever it is. And if they believe that and you, and you demonstrate it for them and model it enough, they'll start to do it. And like, We've had families that have started the weekly check-ins with our, just based on a recommendation, they're like, man, at first the weekly check-ins were a little bit awkward. Our kids really wouldn't say much. But as they stuck with it three, four, five, six weeks, their kids started realizing, okay, my mom and dad really are committed to this. I really can count on it. They really do know, they really do want to know what I have to say. And then they would start opening up. Well, and it's laying that foundation for the small stuff. So when the big stuff do come you have built that relationship because I guarantee like your child's not going to want to come to you with a pornography problem if you've never talked to them before about anything else, you know? Totally. We just had a family, actually, one of the coolest stories, most and I still say, like, it's one of the coolest stories of any family that's ever gone through our program. Um, they had a 14-year-old son. They have a 14-year-old son, but, you know, when they were, when they were going through the family brand program, they're like, man, we are at a loss. Like our 14-year-old son wants nothing to do with us. He won't talk to us. He never shows affection. And just we can't get a word out of him. And as they just started demonstrating and as parents and modeling some of the exercises and some of the things that we teach and creating this space, the mom reaches out to us 
well, it was actually a coaching call that we had with her as a follow-up and she gets really emotional and she's like, you'll never believe it. Like my 14 year old's talking to me. He actually came up in the kitchen the other day and gave me this huge hug. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. And it was, and and like, we could point to a lot of things, but at the end of the day, they just made him feel safe. Like they, they gave him a, they gave him a voice and they gave him space and he felt like he was seen. And, and now the mom was even joking on a call. She's like, you guys created the monster. I can't get him to stop talking to me now. You know, like, <laughs> that's so cool that you guys are doing something so worthwhile and so rewarding. What a cool job you have, and you created that. That's really amazing. Um, I'm I'm curious. So i I saw that you said that there was a study done in 2015, and of the people they surveyed, 49 percent said their happiest memories were on family vacation. And this hit home for me because when I think of my childhood, my entire childhood is only memories of vacations. Like for some reason, that's the only thing that really stuck with me is all the fun vacations we went on. And so my husband and I, our our kids are finally to the age where we feel like we can start bringing them. They're not just babies, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And um, we notice we're trying really hard, but you kind of have to gear yourself up because it's not really a vacation. It's so much work. So do you have any advice for families of young kids and they are trying to create these memories, like maybe to have like more realistic expectations or stick with it? Or do you notice it gets easier the more that you do bring them on vacations? I think it absolutely does get easier from like a logistical standpoint, meaning we were on a flight recently and I realized we don't have a car seat. We don't have a stroller. We like, this is amazing. We didn't, we didn't hold one child in the airport. <laughs> they all, they all pulled their suitcases, you know, like it was, it was like yes, this that's moment a game for us. Changer. Such a game changer. But now um, at the time of recording, we just got back from a spring break trip a few weeks ago. Um, and it was so much work, even though they're handling their own stuff. It's just, it's different kind of, kind of work. Yeah. So I guess the advice I, I would say is like, still do it, even though it's like so much work. I actually asked a question, um, I think on my, on my stories or something on Instagram about vacations. And um, I had people, I guess it was a post because people were commenting like their favorite vacations and they, it was so like beautiful really to read like all these memories that people had, but they were all those simple things like camping. And one woman was like, I remember the year I went camping and it rained the entire time. and My mom had a newborn. I was like, that sounds like the worst (laughs) trip ever. But she was like her, like a little memory of that was, (laughs) that was my favorite trip of of my life. So I think it's just the consistency, making sure mm-hmm. you're doing the trips and then knowing like, yes, it's going to be hard work, but like just trying to like roll, roll with what happens and, and keep your, keep your, yeah. Cool. And, and I would say too, that the more you travel with your children, your children become better at traveling. Like they, right. like, I think we've traveled enough with our kids where they're kind of like, yeah, we know how to travel and they have this confidence around it and how to navigate, uh-huh. you know, certain things. There's also another study that was done that's similar to this, but it said, what are your favorite memories just period from your childhood? And I think it has a lot to do that's relevant to this, which is most adults, most memorable um, experiences or favorite memories from the childhood are always the simplest. Yes. And that was the same thing that we did this with our, we did this with our kids a couple of years ago. We asked them their favorite vacation. It was always like, oh, the road trip to grandma's house. When we go camping on Labor Day, when we, it was Mm -hmm. like, 
So I also think you can take some pressure off yourself that they don't have to be this lavish, expensive, extravagant vacations. Another thing I would say, we come across young couples all the time, you know, in their between 20s and 30s who they'll say, oh yeah, we haven't, we haven't done a getaway as husband and wife in five years, just the two of us. We haven't done a getaway in eight years. We haven't done a getaway in three years. And, and one of the goals that Melissa and I have now is to do a getaway every quarter. And some people are like, that's impossible. You guys have five kids. How do you do that? And it's like, we just make it work. So we're, right. we're, it's so important to us. And they're not all extravagant. Like sometimes it's just for the day. We don't even stay the night. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you got to do quarterly or any, but one of the things I would say is yes, travel as a family. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It is worth it. But two, don't forget to travel just as a couple. Yes. Like really make getaways a priority. Yes. Uh, and do it early. Like the earlier you start, it'll be transformative in your marriage. Yeah. I, well, two things I was going to say, the going back to like the simplest vacations, they'll remember we had a one bedroom, like beat up, we called it the little red house. And it was this little cabin that was like 40 minutes from our house in Eden, Utah. And we would all have to sleep on the floor. There were six kids (laughs) And we would just go like make scones and play cards and sleep out in our tents in the, on the front lawn. Like we, it was literally nothing. And that is my favorite childhood memory. And it, we did nothing like we've gone to Europe. We've done all these cool trips, but that is the one that I always remember and look back to. So I definitely second that. That's uh, awesome. For sure. We yeah. love Eden, by the way. Oh, you do? It's the best. It's We've so beautiful. It. And it was, yes, it was like so dreamy driving. Right? I know. Um, and the second one was making sure that you take time alone. I think my husband and I probably do too many trips alone. <laughs> now we're like, okay, let's include the kids more. I think it's <laughs> like we love being together And our friends all say the same thing. They're like, how do you get away? Like, I haven't been on a trip with my husband in three years. And I'm like, how do you not? Like, if we didn't, our marriage would would definitely not be as strong because I feel like you need that time alone. And it is really hard, definitely, and to find childcare and to do all of that. But whatever is a priority to you, like, you'll figure out, right? Like you said, maybe it's just a day away. And you don't have to sleep over. So I really love that. And I it kind of leads into my second to last question, which is um, talking about your marriage and when you were separated and what kind of pulled you out of almost really getting a divorce when you had two young children. Yeah, that when people ask me this question, I'm like, okay, how do I make this a very concise? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It's, yeah. Um, but I would say the first, the first thing I would offer is that it came to a point where we just decided we are going to stay together. It wasn't, it wasn't an option anymore that, that we ended our marriage. And so I think that was actually the first thing it was, we had, we had been married for four years, but there was a still a moment of decision that we had to make. Like we are going to be married. Yeah, a buddy of mine has this distinction. There's a difference between decisions and deciding in his mind. So like in in your world, Brie, right around fitness and health, people make the decision all the time, I'm going to get healthy. 
but they don't decide. Yes, like, they're not committed. Yeah, and so we had made the decision to get married, but in both of our minds, it was like, well, we could always get divorced. Like, yes, but, but we had this conversation that was like, no, we are deciding. Like, it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't just we're gonna we're gonna stay married and be miserable. It was two. It, we really we really decided on two things: we are gonna stay married and fight for our family, and we are going to be happy. And as simple as that sounds, that's where it all it was that commitment is where it started. And then I would say, look, if you're struggling. The thing, and we, I think we did a podcast episode specifically about this of like what to do when you're struggling, but like it's really useful to have someone in your corner, like that's a cheerleader that's like believing in you and speaking possibility into you. And that, luckily for us, we were so blessed to find this amazing marriage counselor who that's, he was that for us. He saw mm-hmm. things in us that we couldn't see in ourselves and he just spoke possibility into us and belief. And because he believed it, we were like, oh, I guess we believe it. Like if you see something, maybe there is something. Um, and then I also say, like, be really careful who you – always be careful who you surround yourself with in life. We we all know that. But be incredibly careful who you're surrounding yourself with when you're in a struggling relationship. And what I mean by that is you probably – when you're struggling, it, it's probably a really useful thing to try and get around some couples who aren't struggling who are willing to speak possibility into you, who are willing to speak life into you because – I knew when we were struggling, it's almost like I would actively go seek out guys who'd been divorced or guys who were also right. unhappy and we would commiserate together and they would basically tell me like, oh yeah, just 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 leave her. You'll be happier. Get divorced. And mm-hmm. I, I started believing that. Right. You know? Because you want validation for what you're feeling. Totally. You want validation for what you're feeling. And oftentimes you want validation for the lies you're telling yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah. I don't know that I know that sounds really simple, but really like decide, surround yourself with people who are going to inspire you and then get around couples who inspire you. And I have one more, one more thing to add. Um, I think it was huge for us too, is we each decided, like we each took ownership of, of the relationship. And like, I, it was so easy for one or the other of us to fall into this like victim in it all. And then but we both had to work on ourselves and realize we're not going to change the other person. So anything that's going to change is going to be like us working on ourselves mm. and becoming better individuals. And as we became stronger, you know, individuals ourselves like that collectively had our marriage become better. Yes. As well. And I feel like it's really inspiring to watch. Cause if you look at your Instagram, which is our family brand, if you look at it, it's, um, it looks like you guys have a perfect family. And so it is inspiring to see like, oh, it hasn't always been perfect. And they worked on it and it got better and look at where they are now. And so I think it's so cool that you are so open about that part of your life and that you're willing to help other people and show what the possibility is. Because if someone is struggling right now, they can look at your family and see the possibility. So I, I just think there's so much strength and vulnerability and what you do is really, really cool. And I'm so grateful for all of your advice and how you help people. And if you could leave us with one piece of advice for our family brand or anything we talked about, what would it be? I'll go first and then, and then I'll let Chris go. Um, I would just echo maybe our family our family motto that you can be who you want to be. You know, you might see where you're at now and know like maybe you 
you want to be something different or do something different, like, but maybe don't feel like you can. I just think there's so much power in knowing that you can, you can be who you want to be, create the type of family that, that you want to have and the type of person you want to become that it's all, it's all possible. Yeah. I love that, Melissa. And I, I would ask, I guess I would add that I would never underestimate the contribution that you make to the world as a strong family. And that, and not even, I don't mean perfect, but even a family that's just trying. Like I, I really believe the key to strengthening the world and saving the world, if you will, is through strong families. Like, like your commitment to try as a family strengthens your neighborhood. It strengthens your community. It strengthens your city. It strengthens your state. It strengthens your country. Like, and so I would just say like, you know, we believe as a family, like you deserve to win. Like we want to see families win and we want to see families feel like they're winning and you deserve that. I love that. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I want everyone to be able to listen to your podcast and find your program. So can you let everybody know where to find you? Yeah, you can find us at um, familybrand.com. And then our podcast, you can search on any platform. It's called Family Brand. Awesome. Oh, shoot. I said our family brand, but it's just family brand, right? So the, our Instagram, you were, you were correct. Okay. Our Instagram handle is our family brand. Okay. That's what and I then, thought. I'm like, wait. Because family brand wasn't available, but I'm like, no yeah. one has it. I'm like, why can't I have yeah, this? Some, some, something in the universe doesn't want us to have family brands. We yeah. have our family brand for Instagram. <laughs> okay. And our family brand for Instagram. And then yes. your website is? Just familybrand.com. Yep. Familybrand.com. Okay. And your podcast is Family Brand. Correct. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm going to link all of those in the show notes for anyone that wants to find you and do your program. And I'm just so grateful for all the wisdom that you've shared with us today. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having us. It was fun. Thanks, Bree. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for joining us in today's episode. If you liked the content and want to hear more, remember to hit that subscribe button and write a review. As a small business owner, I appreciate it more than you know. If you are looking for a program to help with self-confidence, to lose weight, get in shape, and work on your mental, physical, and emotional health, check out my training programs on www.bodybybree.com. My team and I help to hold you accountable through the Body by Brie app, where you log in to see all your workouts, custom meal plan made specifically for you and your needs, and communication through the messenger. You are never alone when you're on the Body by Brie training program. Click the link in the show notes to get more information on how to transform your life from the inside out.